If you think you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history coming out this July from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today, pre-order, and you can learn the secrets of the Force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all. Hey, Darren, have you been watching us on uh, the Electric Now app? I have. I haven't recently because I, I, I watch you pretty much every week when we're doing these things. But Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's, you know what I love about it's, the Electric Now app? It's better it's on so video. It's so easy to use. It's, it's, it's better really on video. Easy. Download the it. app and you watch us. That's all there is to it. It's so and, simple. And a lot of other cool stuff, too. You go to the app store. It says Electric Now. You download it. And then... You press, in the United States, press the button, and there it is. There it is, and you can choose. You can bookmark it. There's plenty of other movies and TV show to enjoy, and episodes of all your favorite Electric Surge podcasts. So why wait? Download the Electric Now app and start enjoying us anytime. If you like Inglorious Trexperts, you're going to love our new Trexperts briefing room, where Darren and myself curate classic episodes of Star Trek with special guests from various Star Trek series talking about the episodes you love. I think that sounds great. Let's, well, I can't let's, wait to do it. Let's go see. What episodes are we doing, Darren? Well, I, we don't want to give it away. Okay. Well, then you need to watch Trexperts Briefing Room wherever you listen to Inglorious Trexperts and on the new Trexperts Briefing Room podcast feed. Don't miss it. Coming intermittently <laughs> in the coming weeks. Trexperts Briefing Room. It's what every real Trexpert needs. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman, and we are the inglorious Trexperts. I want to do it right. Trexperts. Trexperts. We are the inglorious Trexperts. Tonight on the inglorious Trexperts. You know what I wish? I wish he was still alive. What's his name? Oh, me um, too. Yeah. Ernie, Anderson. Ernie Anderson. I would pay whatever it costs oh to gosh. have him do our show. Tonight, it's the Inglorious Trexperts on the Electric <laughs> Now streaming channel. It was like, oh my God. And you could do the Star Tunnel and we could do oh the whole my ABC. Goodness. Be so. That'd be really cool. So, um, anyway, uh, today we have something now for something completely different um, here on our third season of uh, Inglorious Trexperts. Um, it's a little treat. Uh, people have been asking me about this uh, for a couple of years now. Um, and back for the 50th anniversary of um, Star Trek, uh, Reed Pop, who's doing their first licensed Star Trek show in New York, had approached me about consulting for their um, event 
to help them uh, come up with ideas and sort of vet stuff and help them with guests and just try and reinvent the Star Trek convention to make it a little cooler, a little more interesting, a little different than the sort of prepackaged stuff that had been done, uh, you know, in recent times. So I, I, you know, I said, absolutely, it'd be great. One of the things I knew I really wanted to do and I got them really excited about was on Saturday night doing a, a staged reading. And um, the idea was, you know, in the ballroom was like, 3,000, 4,000 people um, to, to do a stage reading of a Star Trek script. And at the time, it was funny. I originally went to Frakes uh, and I asked him about uh, doing uh, First Contact. And he, he gratefully said no because he wanted to. He said, I don't think I could top what I did he, you know, to direct it. So he, he, so he was out. And uh, <laughs> then I wanted to do, I was going to do, and I was going to do um, Star Trek II. Right. But then they were showing Star Trek Two with Nick Meyer on Friday. They didn't want to do Star Trek Two, right? Uh, because they felt like they were showing the movie the day before. So we all agreed we do Star Trek Four, the great script written by Mearson and Crikes and Hart Bennett and Nick Meyer. Um, and um, so, so I, I, you know, against my better judgment, said, okay, great, I'm gonna do Star Trek. We'll do Star Trek Four. Now, <laughs> this was the dumbest idea in the world because now. <laughs> I had committed to doing something that was going to be an immense amount of work. Because yeah. not only was it not local, so it meant I had to find people in New York, you know, and I, I didn't have a budget, so I couldn't fly people in. Uh, it was, it was, it was awful. It was going to be awful. It was a, <laughs> like if I did it here, I could have called in favors. It would have been sure. different. And so I brought on my my trusted casting director at the time, Christine Cheeks, who was absolutely wonderful. She got what we were trying to do, and. Um, and and but then we had all these roles to cast like Khan would have been kind of easy but right. it was like oh my god who in the world are we gonna cast and and then of course people know star trek 4 so well so it's like what kind of spin could we put on it to make it more interesting so um one of the first people that we cast which was one of the most challenging was you know who do you have play you know captain james t kirk right. so we cast um uh, from Benny and June, Mary Stuart Masterson, who yeah. is just a terrific actress and was fantastic as Kirk. It was a great, you know, sort of gender swap because I, you know, back in the day, I used to go to the public theater. They used to do uh, Shakespeare in the park and they used to do this kind of gender swapping all the time, sure. you know, before, before I think it was called non-traditional casting. Right. And, uh, you know, um, but so having her play Kirk was just great. And then we, got, this was a real thrill because I was a huge fan of the comeback. Um, and we got Damien Young, who played um, Lisa Kudrow's husband on the right. comeback to play Spock. He's just very dry and he was just and not at all sci fi fan. And he was just so perfect. But uh, a real revelation was uh, Brian Haley as McCoy. And then, of course, at the time I was doing librarians. And I asked John Kim if he wanted to play Sulu, mm -hmm. not remembering that Sulu has a pretty small role and. Right. Star Trek four. He's like, yeah, anything for you. So he, he ended up flying out to do um, uh, Sulu. And he said, know. great. What's Star Trek? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> San Francisco. But, uh, you know, he has a couple of key lines that he got big applause on. Sure. And then also Jack Allison Connolly, who uh, another really great character actor played Scotty. He was fantastic. Um, Anna George um, played Uhura. We, we, we wanted a real Russian for Chekhov mm -hmm. and we cast this Russian an actress who had been in the Cinemax show The Nick, uh, Katerina Morakova, 
who was mm. wonderful Chekhov. She was just just terrific, and you'll hear. And then, you know, it, it, the idea was I also wanted to cast a few Star Trek actors right. in other roles. And right. I think my favorite of all these was uh, Terry Farrell as Savick. So, nice. you know, it was great. It was great to have her, so, especially since Kirstie Alley is now persona non grata to me after being a Trump supporter. But um, we cast Terry Farrell as Savick, and then um, – Ethan Phillips played Sarek. So Neelix, oh could, could Neelix actually be, you know, uh, a good Sarek? Well, you'll find that's, out when you listen to it. And then uh, we cast Barbara Garrick as uh, Amanda, who a lot of people know. And then from Blue Bloods, uh, Robert Clohesse played um, the uh, Klingon ambassador and Admiral Cartwright. He was terrific. And our old friend, Bobak, Bobak Ferdowsi, as the Starship Commander. Because, you know, the whole thing about I'm constructing a solar sail. A solar Why sail not get a real JPL? Try and generate power. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, to do a couple of the other uh, other uh, roles, we, we really talented young actor, uh, Joseph uh, Dylan Runyon, um, a comedian, Leah Bonima. Uh, and she was uh, also a big Star Trek fan. And Nathan Nate Aldrich, who'd worked for me on... Um, on um, uh, on uh, H&X, he came out on his own dime uh, and 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 they were terrific and everyone took it so seriously. We had so much fun. I mean, it, like, again, it was like playing to a Broadway because it was like three, four thousand people in the crowd. And the, the most gratifying thing was where he goes, oh, you know, there'd be whales here. And suddenly the audience spontaneously burst into whale. And, oh started, my goodness. and it was like amazing. You couldn't have planned it better. That's and it was great. just like. And I, I, it was so funny because I remember John and I were on the plane heading back to Los Angeles and there were a bunch of people that were coming up to us on the plane, high fiving us and saying, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen at a convention. <laughs> it, was, it was so awesome. Oh, it was such a high. I wish I, mean, I, I could had, have been there. Was, I, I wish you could have. We I have know, the recording last. here. We do. And um, so we recorded this a couple of years ago. Um, uh, I'm going to edit, you know, we're going to edit it for broadcast to, you know, obviously some of the introductory stuff and um, the closing remarks. But Take the um, dirty stuff this, the, Yeah, all the dirty <laughs> stuff out of Star Trek 4. <laughs> um, but I think it's super fun. I haven't listened to it in years. I'm looking forward to listening to it. And it was just, um, it was a great experience. And it sort of helped me, like this podcast does, get back in touch with my love of, the, of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just like one of these great experiences because I use Star Trek as the springboard for doing something different and unexpected. And, and creative. And create well, I'm creative. And I think, um, you know, after that, everyone will say, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? I really wanted to do Star Trek V. But I said, it's so much work. People have no idea. I mean, you know, it was so much work to, to, to schedule all these actors. It was also um, Labor Day weekend. So a lot of people that we wanted to get, like we were trying to get James Marsden at some point, some other people, they were just away. They were in the Hamptons that weekend. Right. So it was tough to get people to you know, come to the convention center, the Javits Center. No one was being paid. Nobody was getting their cars. You know, So right. you know, here, a bunch of the actors at the convention get paid, but everybody's doing the stage reading isn't. So it was very challenging to put together. At the end of the day, I think we put on something very special. May never be repeated, but I, you know, given the right opportunity, um, you know, and the right budget, I'd love to do it again because I think um, it was I think it was, it was great so that, much fun. I think it was great that you got Judy Dench to play the old lady who grows a new kidney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was I mean that was incredible. And 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 you know one of the biggest decisions that I had to make, uh, you know, as the director for this was um, what was the song going to be on the bus. You know, what right. was the song? Because, I, you know, I could have just used the I Hate You right. uh, from the movie, but I didn't want to do that. 
And I could have just, um, you know, so many different choices. But you'll see the choice we did make. And I think it was a rather inspired choice. So hopefully okay. you'll agree. So without any further ado, from uh, many years ago, five, what is it, four years ago, five years ago, um, uh, uh, the yeah. staged reading of Star Trek IV. Um, the Voyage Home. The Voyage Home. So enjoy. Captain's Log, Stardate 8031 in the 23rd century. As commanding officer of the USS Enterprise, I look back on our most recent adventure and realize I could not have asked for a more dependable ship or dedicated crew. Chekhov, Dr. McCoy, Uhura, Scotty, Sulu, and our late comrade Spock, whose heroic sacrifice during our last mission is now deeply felt. Our ship and our lives had been endangered by an experimental project called Genesis, designed to bring new life to barren moons. We sent Spock's body there to rest in peace. Why did you leave him on Genesis? Spock trusted you, and you denied him his future. I saw no future. Only his body was in death, Kirk. Bring him to us, and bring that which he gave you, his living spirit. But there's even a chance that Spock has an eternal soul. Then it's my responsibility. Give me back the Enterprise. Out of the question, my friend. The word, sir? The word? Is no. I am therefore going anyway. Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. All station, yellow alert. Commander Starfleet on emergency channel. He orders you to surrender this vessel. No reply, General. One minute to space doors. Kurt. You do this, you'll never sit in the captain's chair again. Warp speed. Warp speed. Best speed to Genesis. Unfortunately, we were not the first to arrive. Hang on, Bird and Fraser. She's arming torpedoes. Your presence here is an act of war. Fuck! Quickly overpowered, we had no choice but to allow the Klingons aboard, which meant the only way to defeat them was to destroy the Enterprise. The ship appears to be deserted. We're hiding! Leaving our ship for the last time, we fled to Genesis. Five. Get out! Get out! What have I done? What you had to do. Just as the planet began to self-destruct, we found Spock, and he was alive. His body had been regenerated, but his mind was blank. Escaping Genesis, we used the captured Klingon vessel to transport us to Vulcan, where a mysterious ceremony was performed by Spock's people in an attempt to restore his memory. You came back for me. You would have done the same for me? Why would you do this? Because the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. Meanwhile, back on Earth, the punishment for our disobedience awaited us. Now, I'm just as excited as you are uh, to see how this all turns out. So, without any further ado, I give you Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. What do you make of it? 
It appears to be a probe, Captain, from an intelligence unknown to us. Continue transmitting. Universal peace and hello in all known languages. Get me Starfleet Command. Ready, Captain. Starfleet Command, this is USS Saratoga patrolling Sector 5, Neutral Zone. We're tracking a probe of unknown origin on apparent trajectory to the Terran solar system. Attempts to communicate with the probe have been negative on all known frequencies. Continue tracking Saratoga. We will analyze transmissions and advise. Roger, Starfleet. Saratoga out. Six, five, four, three, two, one. To fully understand the events on which I've reported. There, hold the image. It is necessary. Hold. Behold the quintessential devil in these matters. James T. Kirk, renegade and terrorist. Not only is he responsible for the murder of the Klingon crew, the theft of a Klingon vessel, see now the real plot and intentions. Even as this Federation was negotiating peace treaty with us, Kirk was secretly developing the Genesis torpedo, conceived by Kirk's son and test detonated by the Admiral himself. The result of this awesome energy was euphemistically called the Genesis Planet, a secret base from which to launch the annihilation of the Klingon people. We demand the extradition of Kirk. We demand justice. Klingon justice is a unique point of view, Mr. President. Genesis was perfectly named. The creation of life, not death. The Klingons shed the first blood while attempting to possess its secrets. Vulcans are well known as the intellectual puppets of this Federation. Your vessel did destroy USS Grissom. Your men did kill Kirk's son. Do you deny these events? We deny nothing. We have the right to preserve our race. Do you have the right to commit murder? Silence. Silence. There will be no further outbursts from the floor. Mr. President, I've come to speak on behalf of the accused. Personal bias. His son was saved by Kirk. Mr. Ambassador, with all respect, the Council's deliberations are over. And Kirk goes unpunished? Admiral Kirk has been charged with nine violations of Starfleet regulations. Starfleet regulations? That's outrageous! Remember this well. There shall be no peace as long as Kirk lives. Captain's Log, Stardate 8390. We're in the third month of our Vulcan exile. And it was Dr. McCoy, with a fine sense of historical irony, who decided on a name for our captured Klingon vessel. And like those mutineers of 500 years ago, we too have a hard choice. Dr. McCoy. Aye, sir. Mr. Scott. Aye, sir. Uhura. Aye, sir. Chekhov. Aye, sir. Sulu. Aye, sir. Let the record show that the commander and crew of the late Starship Enterprise have voted unanimously to return to Earth to face the consequences of their actions in the rescue of their comrade, Captain Spock. Thank you all. Repair stations, please. Mr. Scott? Aye, sir. How soon can we be underway? Oh, give me one more day, sir. Damage control, that's easy. Reading Klingon, that's hard. (laughs) I think they could at least send a ship. Bad enough to be court-martialed and spend the rest of our lives mining borite, but to have to go home on this Klingon flea trap? We can learn a thing or two from this flea trap. It's got a cloaking device. I just it costs they, us a lot. just wish they could cloak the stench. Computer, resume testing. 
who said logic is the cement of our civilization with which we ascend from chaos using reason as our guide? To Plana Hoth, matron of Vulcan philosophy. Correct. What is the molecular formula of aluminium sulfide crystals? White queen to section five, grid six, queen takes, correct. Knight, rock takes queen, white pawn to section five, grid seven, pawn takes rook, checkmate. What significant contribution to the bioengineering was made on the Luncarian outpost on Klent? The universal atmospheric element compensator. Evaluate and conclude, correct. A starship sensors indicate it is being pursued so closely that it occupies the same space as the pursuer, correct. Identify object and its cultural significance. Klingon mummification glyph. What were the historical events, correct, on Earth in the year 1987, correct. What was Kiri Kintha's first law of metaphysics? Nothing unreal exists. Correct. Adjust the sine wave of this magnetic envelope so that anti-neutrons can pass through it and anti-gravitons cannot. Correct. What is the electronic configuration of gladolinium? Correct. How do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? I do not understand the question. What is it, Spock? I do not understand the question, Mother. Well, you're half human. The computer knows that. The question is irrelevant. Spock, the retraining of your mind has been in the Vulcan way, so you may not understand feelings. But you are my son. You have them. They will surface. As you wish, since you deem them of value, but I cannot wait here to find them. Why? Where must you go? I must go to Earth to offer testimony. You do this for friendship? I do it because I was there. Spock, does the good of many outweigh the good of one? I would accept that as an axiom. Well, then you stand here alive because of a mistake made by your flawed feeling human friends. They have sacrificed their futures because they believed that the good of one, you, was more important to them. Humans make illogical decisions. They do indeed. Here it comes now. What's causing that? What's causing that? Can we isolate the wave? <laughs> Negative. It's impacting on all our system. Yellow alert. Shields up. Helm. Reduce closing speed. Thruster controls have been neutralized. Emergency thrusters. No response, Captain. Emergency lights. Damage report. All systems have failed. We're functioning on reserve power only. Starfleet Command, this is Saratoga. Can you hear me? Come in, please. Come in, please. Thank you, sir. Status report, Admiral. Not good, Mr. President. The probe is headed directly towards us. Its signal is damaging everything in its path. The Klingons have lost two vessels. Two starships and three smaller ships have been neutralized. Neutralized how? We do not know. Get me the Yorktown. Emergency channel 0130, code red. It's been three hours since our contact with the alien probe. All attempts to regain power have failed. It's using forms of energy our best scientists do not understand. Can you protect us? We're launching everything we have. All non-essential crew have been given hypersedatives to slow down consumption of life support reserves. Our chief engineer is trying to deploy a makeshift solar sail, which we have high hopes that this will, if successful, generate power to keep us alive. Systems report. 
Communications. Communication systems already, sir. Communications officer as ready as she'll ever be. Mr. Sulu. Guidance is functional. Onboard computer will interface the Federation memory bank. Weapon systems. Operational, Admiral. Cloaking device now available on all flight modes. I'm impressed. That's a lot of work for a short voyage. We are in an enemy vessel, sir. I do not wish to be shot down on the way to our own funeral. Good thinking. Engine room. Report, Mr. Scott. Uh, we're ready, sir. I've converted the dilithium sequencer into something a little less primitive. And, Admiral, I have replaced the Klingon food packs. They were giving me a sour stomach. Oh, is that what it was? Mm. Prepare for departure. Everybody not going to Earth had better get off. Savik, this is goodbye. Yes, Admiral. Thank you. Sir, I have not had the opportunity to tell you about your son. David died most bravely. He saved Spock. He saved us all. I thought you should know. Good day, Captain Spock. May your journey be free of incident. Live long and prosper, Lieutenant. Permission to come aboard. Permission granted. Thank you, Admiral. Jim. Spock. Jim. Don't you remember? It would not be proper to refer to you as Jim while you are in command, Admiral. Also, I must apologize for my attire. I seem to have misplaced my uniform. Station. Are you sure this is such a bright idea? What do you mean? I mean him, back at his post like nothing's happened. I don't know if you got the whole picture or not, but he's not exactly firing on all thrusters. Uh, it'll come back to him. Are you sure? That's what I thought. Mr. Sulu, take us home. Thrusters, functional. One quarter impulse power. Space dock, this is Starfleet. Launch all vessels. Launch all vessels. Sir, space dock doors are inoperative. Our emergency systems are non-functional. Engage reserve power. Aye, aye, sir. Starfleet Command, this is space dock on emergency channel. We have lost all internal power. Estimating planet Earth, 1.6 hours present speed. Continue course, Mr. Chekhov. Any sign of Federation escort? No, sir, and no Federation vessels on assigned patrol stations. Well, that's odd. Uhura, what's the comm channels? Very active, sir. Multiphasic transmissions, overlapping. It's almost a gibberish. Let me see if I can sort it out. Hi, uh, busy? Uhura is busy. I am monitoring. <laughs> oh, well. I just uh, wanted to say it's nice to have you or Katra back in your head and not mine. Uh, what, what I mean is, uh, I may have carried your soul, but I sure couldn't fill your shoes. My shoes. <laughs> forget it, forget it. Perhaps we could cover a little philosophical ground. Life, death, life, things of that nature. I did not have time on Vulcan to review the philosophical disciplines. Come on, Spock, it's me, McCoy. You really have gone where no man's gone before. Can't you tell me what it felt like? It would be impossible to discuss the subject without a common frame of reference. You're joking. A joke is a story with a humorous climax. <laughs> oh. So you mean I have to die to discuss your insights on death? Forgive me, doctor, I am receiving a number of distress calls. I don't doubt it.
Juneau, Alaska, cloud cover increase 95%. Tokyo, total cloud coverage, all power from reserve banks. Leningrad has lost all electrical power, cloud cover 100%, temperatures decreasing rapidly. What is the estimate cloud cover of the planet at this time? 78.6%. Notify all stations, Starfleet emergency, red alert. Switch power immediately to planetary reserves. Switching now, Admiral. Mr. President, even with planetary reserves, we cannot survive without the sun. I'm well aware of that. Ambassador Surik, I'm afraid that you have trapped here with us. There seems to be no way we can answer this probe. Ambassador Sarik, I am afraid you're trapped here with us. There seems to be no way we can answer this probe. <laughs> Why, it's uh, difficult to answer when one does not understand the question. <laughs> Mr. President, perhaps you should transmit a planetary distress signal while we still have time. Admiral? What is it? Overlapping distress calls and our message coming in from the Federation. On screen. This is the President of the Federa United Federation of Planets. Do not approach Earth. The transmissions of an orbiting probe are causing critical damage to this planet. It has almost totally ionized our atmosphere. All power sources have failed. All Earth-orbiting starships are powerless. The probe is vaporizing our oceans. We cannot survive unless a way can be found to respond to the probe. Further communications may not be possible. Save your energy. Save yourselves. Avoid the planet Earth at all costs. Farewell. Uhura, let's hear the probe's transmission. Yes, sir. On speakers. Spock. What do you make of that? Most unusual. An unknown form of great power and intelligence. Evidently unaware that its transmissions are destructive. I find it illogical that its intentions should be hostile. Really? Really think this is its way of saying hi there to the people of Earth? There are other forms of intelligence on Earth, Doctor. Only human arrogance would assume the message must be meant for man. You're suggesting the transmission is meant for a life form other than man? At least the possibility, Admiral. The President did say it was directed at Earth's oceans. Uhura, can you modify the probe's signals accounting for density, temperature, and salinity factors? I can try, sir. I think I have it, sir. And this is what it would sound like underwater? Fascinating. If my suspicion is correct, there can be no response to this message. Excuse me. Where are you going? To test my theory. Bones, you stay here. No way. Somebody's got to keep an eye on him. Spock? As suspected. The probe's transmissions are the songs sung by whales. Whales? Specifically, humpback whales. Who would send a probe hundreds of years, light years into the future to talk to a whale? It's possible. Whales have been on Earth far earlier than man. 
10 million years earlier. Humpbacks were heavily hunted by man. They've been extinct since the 21st century. It is possible that an alien intelligence sent the probe to determine why they lost contact. My God. Spock, could the humpback's answer to this call be simulated? The sounds, but not the language. We would be responding in gibberish. Does the species exist on any other planet? Humpbacks were indigenous to Earth, Earth of the past. We have no choice. We must destroy the probe before it destroys Earth. To attempt to do so would be futile, Admiral. The probe could render us neutral easily. We can't just turn away. There must be an alternative. There is one possibility, but of course I cannot guarantee success. We could attempt to find some humpback whales. You just said there wasn't anyone except the ones on the Earth of the past. Yes, Doctor. That is exactly what I said. Well, in that case, now wait just a damn minute. Spock, start your computations for time warp. Bones, you come with me. Admiral, we need that power to keep the medical and emergency facilities functioning. All underground storage systems have been shut down due to contamination from the probe's wave. Hey, Tom, get those steel plates in here! The probes neutralized all power supplies. We are functioning on reserves only. Scotty, how long is this bay? Oh, it's about 60 feet, Admiral. Can you enclose it to hold water? I suppose I could. You planning to take a swim? Off the deep end, Mr. Scott. We gotta find some humpbacks. Humpbacked people? Whales, Mr. Scott. Whales, about 45 to 50 feet long, about 40 tons each. You're really gonna try and time travel in this rust bucket? We've done it before. Yeah, sure, slingshot around the sun, pick up enough speed, you're in warp time. If you don't fry. Would you prefer to do nothing? I would prefer a dose of common sense. You're proposing that we go backward in time, find humpback whales, then bring them forward in time, drop them off, and hope to hell they tell this probe what to go do with itself. That's the general idea. Well, that's crazy! You got a better idea? Now's the time. Your, your computations, Mr. Spock. In progress, Admiral. Uhura, get me through to Starfleet Command. I'm picking up a faint transmission. I think it's Admiral Kirk calling. On screen. Starfleet Command, this is Admiral James T. Kirk en route to Earth on board a Klingon vessel. We have intercepted and analyzed the call of the probe threatening Earth. Satellite reserve power, now. It is our opinion that only the extinct species, humpback whale, can give a proper response to the probe. Do you concur this opinion? Stabilize. Emergency reserve. Starfleet Command, do you read? Go ahead. At Starfleet Command. We're going to attempt time travel. We are computing our trajectory at this time. Get him back. Ready to engage, computer, Admiral. What's our target in time? Late 20th century. Can you be more specific? Not with this equipment. I've had to program some of the variables from memory. What are some of the variables? Availability of fuel components, mass of the vessel through a time continuum, and probable location of humpback whales, in this case, the Pacific Basin. You programmed all that from memory? I have. Angels and ministers of grace defend us. <laughs> Hamlet, act one, scene four. No doubt about your memory, Spock. 
Engage computers. Prepare for warp speed. Shields, Mr. Chekhov. Shields, aye. May fortune favor the foolish. Warp speed, Mr. Sulu. Warp two. Warp three. Steady as she goes. Warp four. Warp five. Warp six. Warp seven. Warp eight. Heat shields at maximum. Warp nine. 9.2. 9.3. We need breakaway speed. 9.5. 9.6. I'm okay. Steady. Now, Mr. Sulu. I never should have left him. Sir? The means are down, sir. My God, Jim, where are we? Thing to do. Spock, you're talking about the end of everybody on Earth. Mr. Sulu. Mr. Sulu. Mr. Sulu. Aye, sir. What is our condition? Sir, the braking thrusters have fired. Picture, please. Earth. But when? Spock. Judging by the pollution content of the atmosphere, I believe we have arrived at the latter half of the 20th century. Well done, Spock. Admiral, if I may, we are probably already visible to the tracking devices of the time. Quite right, Mr. Spock. Engage cloaking device, Mr. Chekhov. We are crossing the Terminator in tonight. Homing in on the west coast of North America. Hmm. Uhura is receiving a whale song. Admiral, I'm receiving a whale song. <laughs> speakers. Mm. It's, it's, uh, I put them on the speakers. Admiral, this is strange. The song is directly ahead. It's coming from San Francisco. From the city? That doesn't make sense. Admiral, we have a serious problem. Will you please come down? It's these Klingon crystals, Admiral. The time travel drained them. Well, uh, they're given out, decrystallizing. Give me a round figure, Mr. Scott. Oh, 24 hours, give or take. Stay in cloak. After that, Admiral, we're visible and dead in the water. In any case, we won't have enough to break out of Earth's gravity to say nothing about getting home. I can't believe we've come this far only to be stopped by this. Is there no way of recrystallizing dilithium? Sorry, sir, we can't even do that in the 23rd century. Admiral, there may be a 20th century possibility. Explain. If memory serves, there was a dubious flirtation with nuclear fission reactors resulting in toxic side effects. By the beginning of the fusion era, these reactors had been replaced, but at this time, we may be able to find some. But you said that they were toxic. We could construct a device to collect their high-energy photons safely. These photons could then be injected into the dilithium chamber, causing crystalline restructure, theoretically. Where would we find these reactors, theoretically? Nuclear power was widely used in naval vessels. San Francisco. I was born there. Doesn't look all that different. Set us down in Golden Gate Park. Aye, sir. Descending. We'll divide into teams. Commanders Uhura, Uhura, Chekhov are assigned to the uranium problem. Yes, sir. Dr. McCoy, you, Mr. Scott, Commander Sulu, will convert us a whale tank. Oh, joy. <laughs> While Captain Spock and I attempt to trace these whale songs to their source. I'll have bearing and distance view, sir. I want you all to be very careful. This is terra incognita. Many of their customs will doubtless take us by surprise. 
It's a foregone conclusion that none of these people have ever seen an extraterrestrial before. This is an extremely primitive, paranoid culture. <laughs> Chekhov will issue a phaser and a communicator to each team. We'll maintain radio silence, except in emergencies. Those of you in uniform, remove your rank insignia. Any questions? Let's do our job and get out of here. Our own world is waiting for us to save it, if we can. Commence landing procedures. Aye, sir. Don't tell me you two are fighting again. Yeah. I thought you two made up last night. Why are you two always fighting? I like the way she fights. Anyway, I said to her, if you think I'm going to spend $60 for a damn toaster oven, you're out of your mind. <laughs> and what'd she say to that? Whoa, whoa! Oh, shit, what the hell was that? Did you see that? No, and neither did you, so shut up. No, I, I didn't see nothing. Bearing of the whales, 283 degrees, 15.2 kilometers. Everybody remember where we parked. Hey, why don't you watch where you're going, you dumbass? Well, double dumbass on you. <laughs> It's a miracle these people ever got out of the 20th century. Hmm, they're still using money. We gotta find some. Spock, the rest of you stay here. The rest of you break up. You look like a cadet review. Yes, uh, 18th century American, quite valuable. Are you sure you wanna part with them? Uh, how much will you give me for them? Excuse me, weren't those a birthday present from Dr. McCoy? And they will be again. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> How much? Well, they'd be worth more if the lenses were intact. I'll give you $100. Is that a lot? That's all there is, so don't splurge. All set? Good hunting. Well, Spock, here we are. Thanks to your restored memory, a little bit of good luck. We're walking the streets of San Francisco looking for a couple of humpback whales. How do you propose to solve this minor problem? Simple logic will suffice. I believe I will begin by making use of this map. I have the distance and bearing which were provided by Commander Uhura. If we juxtapose our coordinates, we should be able to find our destination, which lies at 283.7 degrees. I think we'll find what we're looking for at the Cetacean Institute in Sausalito. A pair of humpback whales named George and Gracie. Simple logic. Simple logic. What does it mean, exact change? <laughs> Would you mind telling me how we plan to convert this tank? Ordinarily, I could do it with a piece of transparent aluminium. I'm afraid you're a number of years too early for that. I know, we've got to find a 20th century equivalent. Did you find it? Yes, under U.S. government. Now we need directions. Uh, excuse me, sir. Can you direct me to the naval base in Alameda? It's where they keep nuclear vessels. <laughs> nuclear vessels. Excuse us, can you help us? Oh, excuse me, we are looking for nuclear vessels. Can you tell me where the naval base is in Alameda? Can you help us? We are looking for nuke. Hello? <laughs> we are looking for the nuclear vessels in Alameda. Could you tell me where? Can, can you help us? Please, but we are looking for the naval base in Alameda. 
But can you tell me where the nuclear vessels are? Uh, oh, I don't know if I know the answer to that. I think it's across the bay in Alameda. But that's what I said, Alameda. Alameda. I know that. But where is Alameda? In the middle of the earth, in the land of Shire, lives a brave little hobbit whom we all admire. With his long wooden pipe, fuzzy woolly toes, he lives in a hobbit hole and everybody knows him. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, he's only three feet tall. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, the bravest little hobbit of them all. Excuse me, would you mind stopping that noise? Excuse me, would you mind stopping the damn noise? Admiral, may I ask you a question? Spock, don't call me Admiral. You used to call me Jim. Don't you remember Jim? What's your question? Your use of language has altered since our arrival. It is currently laced with, shall I say, colorful metaphors, <laughs> double dumbass on you, and so forth. Uh, you mean the profanity? Yes. Yes. That's simply the way they talk here. Nobody pays attention to you unless you swear every other word. You'll find it in all the literature of the period. For example, well, the collected works of Jacqueline Suzanne, the novels of Harold Robbins. Ah, the giants. <laughs> the next showing of The Wonderful World of Wales will begin in five minutes. Here I go. Good morning. Uh, I'm your guide this morning. My name is Dr. Jillian Taylor, but you can call me Jillian. I'm assistant director of the Maritime Cetacean Institute. So please just follow me and give a yell if you can't hear me, okay? okay. <laughs> the Cetacean Institute is the only museum in the world exclusively devoted to whales. And as you can see, we have a great deal to offer, but that is small compared to what we know, or rather what we don't know, about whales. Our fir the first commonly held misconception is that whales are fish. They're not. They're mammals, just like you and me, warm-blooded, needing air to breathe, and producing milk to nurse their young. Do whales attack people, like in Moby Dick? <laughs> no, 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 no. Most whales don't even have teeth. They, <laughs> they have soft, gum-like tissue that strange, strains vast amounts of tiny shrimp for food, and that is the limit of their hostility. Unfortunately, their principal enemy is far, far more aggressive. You mean man. <laughs> to put it mildly. Since the dawn of time, men have harvested <laughs> whales for a variety of purposes, most of which, which can be achieved systematically at this point. Synthetically at this point. 100 years ago, using uh, hand-thrown harpoons, man did plenty of damage, but that is nothing to what he has achieved in this century. This is mankind's legacy. Whales hunted to the brink of extinction. Virtually gone is the blue whale, the largest creature ever to inhibit the earth. 
Despite all, inhabit the earth, my goodness, it's hard to speak in front of a lot of people. Uh, despite <laughs> all attempts at banning whaling, there are still countries that, and pirates, uh, currently engaged in the slaughter of these inoffensive creatures. Where the humpback once numbered in the hundreds of thousands, today there are less than 10,000 specimens alive, and those, are, uh, those that are taken are no longer fully grown. In addition, many of the female whales are killed while still bearing unborn calves. To hunt a species to extinction is not logical. Whoever said the human race was logical. Now, if you'll follow me, please, I'll introduce you to the Institute's pride and joy. This is the largest seawater tank in the world, and it contains only two humpback, the only two humpback whales in captivity. They are mature humpbacks weighing 45,000 pounds each. They wandered into San Francisco Bay as calves and they were brought here. We call them George and Gracie. <laughs> it's perfect, Spock. A male and female humpback in a contained space. We beam them up, consider ourselves lucky. Beautiful, aren't they? And extremely intelligent. Now, if you'll follow me, please, despite a uh, uh, despite all that they are teaching us, we have to return George and Gracie to the open sea. Why is that? Well, for one thing, we, we simply don't have enough money to keep feeding them two tons of shrimp per day. How soon? Soon. It's too, uh, it's too bad, too, because they're uh, really quite friendly, as you can see, and I've, I've grown quite attached to them. Here's a much better way to see George and Gracie underwater. What you're hearing is, what you're hearing. It's amazing. <laughs> is, a is a recorded whale song. It is sung by the male. He'll sing it anywhere from six to as long as 30 minutes and then start again. In the ocean, the other whales will pick up the song and pass it on. The song changes every year, and we still don't know what purpose they serve. And at some point, uh, and, and are some, sorry, are they some of kind of navigational signal? Could they be part of the mating ritual, or is it pure communication beyond our comprehension? Frankly, we just don't know. Maybe he's singing to that man. <laughs> <laughs> How did he get in there? What the hell? Excuse me. Wait, wait right here. Excuse me. Excuse me, please. All right, who the hell are you and what were you doing in there? Yeah, speak up, fella. Attempting the hell to communicate. Communicate? Communicate what? You have no right to be here. You heard the lady. Uh, Admiral, if we were to assume that these whales are ours to do with as we please, we would be as guilty as those who caused their extinction. Okay. I don't know what this is all about, but I want you guys out of here right now, or I call the cops. Oh, I assure you that won't be necessary. We're only trying to help. The hell you were, Buster. Your friend was messing up my tanks and messing up my whales. They like you very much but they are not the hell your whales. Oh, I, I suppose they told you that, huh? The hell they did. 
Right. Spock. Yes? About those colorful metaphors that we've discussed, I don't think you should try using them anymore. Why not? Well, for one thing, you haven't quite got the knack. I see. And another thing, it's not always necessary to tell the truth. I can't not tell a lie. I, I don't mean lie, but you could exaggerate. 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 You've done it before. Can't you remember? The hell I can't. <laughs> what else did you learn from your mind meld? They're unhappy about the way their species has been treated by man. Well, they have a right to be. Are they going to help us? I believe I was successfully communicating our intentions. I see. It's all right. Yes, I know. It's okay. They, they didn't mean any harm. Uh, heard there was some excitement. <laughs> oh, it's just a couple of kooks. How you doing? I'm fine. Hey, don't tell me fish stories. I've known you too long. Bob, it's... It's tearing me apart, okay? I know, I feel the same thing, but we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. We can't keep them here without risking their lives. We can't let them go without taking the same chance. I know, I know. And besides, we're not talking about human beings here. We're, it's never been proven there is intelligence anyway. Oh, come on, Bob. I don't know about you, but my compassion for someone is not limited to my estimate of their intelligence. Team leader, this is team two. Come on, please. I have the coordinates of the reactor. Team two, Kirk here. Admiral, we have found the nuclear vessels. Well done, team two. And Admiral, it is the Enterprise. Understood. What's your plan? We will beam in tonight, collect the photons, and beam out. No one will ever know we were there. Understood and approved. Keep me informed. Kirk out. There she is, from the Institute. If we play our cards right, we may be able to find out when those whales are leaving. How will playing cards help? <laughs> well, if it isn't Robin Hood and Friar Tuck, where are you fellas heading? Back to San Francisco. Came all the way down here just to jump in and swim with the kitties, huh? Very little point in my trying to explain. Well, yeah, I'll buy that. What about him? Him? He's harmless. Back in the 60s, he was part of the free speech movement at Berkeley. I, I think he did a little too much LDS. LDS. Hmm. Come on, why don't you uh, let me give you a lift? I have a notorious weakness for hard luck cases, and that's why I work with whales. <laughs> well, well, we don't want to be any trouble. You've already been that. Come on. Well, thank you very much. Don't mention it. And don't try anything either. I've got a tire iron right where I can get at it. So, you were at Berkeley? I was not. <laughs> Memory problems, too. Oh, and what about you? Where are you from? Iowa. Oh, landlubber. Come on, what the, uh, what the hell were you guys really trying to do back there? It wasn't some kind of macho thing, was it? Because <laughs> if that's all, then I'll just be really disappointed. I really hate that macho stuff. Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. What's going to happen when you release the whales? Ah, they're gonna have to take their chances. What does that mean exactly, take their chances? It means that they'll be at risk from whale hunters and the same of the rest of the humpbacks. What did you mean when you said all that stuff back at the Institute about extinction? I meant that... He meant that you, what you said on the tour, that if things going the way they are, humpbacks will disappear forever. No, that's not what he said, farm boy. 
Admiral, if we were to assume those whales uh, are ours to do with as we please, uh, we would be as guilty as those who caused, past tense, their extinction. I have a photographic memory, I see words. Are you sure it isn't time for a colorful metaphor? <laughs> You're not one of those guys from the military, are you? Trying to teach whales to retrieve torpedoes or some dipshit stuff like that? <laughs> no, ma'am, no dipshit. Well, good. That's one thing. I would have let you off right there. Gracie is pregnant. All right, who are you? And don't jerk me around anymore. I want to know, you, you know, you know what? Uh, you, we, we can't tell you that. But, but, but if, if you let me finish, I can tell you that we're not in the military and we intend no harm toward the whales. Then what are you doing? It, in fact, we may be able to help you in ways that, frankly, you couldn't possibly imagine. Or believe, I'll bet. Very likely. You're not exactly catching us at our best. That much is certain. I have a hunch that we'd all be a lot happier discussing this over dinner. What do you say? You guys like Italian? No. Yes. yes. No. 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 Yes. Yes. I love Italian, and so do you. Yes. Sam, call on line one. Sam, call on line one. Professor Scott, I'm Dr. Nichols, plant manager. Ah! I'm terribly sorry. There's been an awful mix-up. Would you believe I was never told about your visit? That I've tried to clear things up, Professor Scott. Mm -hmm. I explained that you'd come all the way here from Edinburgh on appointment to study methods of manufacturing by PlexiCorp. Mm -hmm. But they don't seem to know anything about it. Don't know anything about it? I find it hard to believe that I've come millions of miles. Thousands. Uh, uh, thousands. Thousands. Oh, thousands of miles on an invited tour of, of your... Professor Scott, if you just... I demand to see the owners. Uh, Professor I demand... Scott. Ah, uh, just to take it easy. Dr. Nichols has offered to take us around the plant personally. He has? Yes. With pleasure. Well, that's different. Gregory, <laughs> Professor... May uh, my assistant join us? Of course. Don't bury yourself in the role. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Nice looking ship. Uh, QE 204, isn't it? Right on. You fly. Oh. Here and there. I flew something similar back in my academy days. All right. Then this must be old stuff to you. Well, yes, but interesting. Mind if I ask you a few questions? Sure. Well, this is a fine place you've got here, Dr. Nichols. Thank you. I must say, Professor, your knowledge of engineering is most impressive. Oh, yes. Back home, we call him the miracle worker. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Uh, may I offer you something, gentlemen? Dr. Nichols, I might be able to offer something to you. Yes? I've noticed you're still working with polymers. Still? What else would we be working with? Aye, what else indeed? Let me put it in another way. How thick would a piece of your plexiglass need to be at 60 feet by 10 feet to withstand the pressure of 18,000 cubic feet of water? Oh, well that's easy, six inches. We carry stuff that big in stock. Aye, I noticed. 
Now, suppose, just suppose, I were to show you a way to manufacture a wall that would do the same job, but that would only be one inch thick. Would that be worth something to you? Huh? Ah, you're joking. Perhaps the professor could use your computer, please. Computer. <laughs> computer. Ah, uh, hello, computer. Just use the keyboard. Oh, the keyboard, how quaint. <laughs> Transparent aluminum? That's the ticket, laddie. Ah, uh, wait. It would take years just to figure out the dynamics of this matrix. Yes, but you would be rich beyond the dreams of avarice. <laughs> so, is it worth something to you? Or should I just punch up clear? No, 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 no. Uh, Mr. Nichols, Not now, call Madeline. line nine? What exactly do you have in mind? Well, a moment alone, please. Do you realize, of course, if we give him the formula, we're altering the future? Why? How do we know he didn't invent the thing? You sure you won't change your mind? Uh, is there something wrong with the one I have? <laughs> a little joke. Goodbye, old friend. Wait a, wait a, wait, wait a minute. H how did you know that Gracie was pregnant? Nobody knows that. Gracie does. <laughs> I'll be right here. Well... What, he's just gonna hang around the bushes while we eat? It's his way. <laughs> Do you trust me? Implicitly. Large mushroom, pepperoni with extra onions, and a Michelob, please. Great choice. And you, sir? Make that too. Thank you. <laughs> well... How did a nice girl like you get to be a cetacean biologist? Just lucky, I guess. You're upset about losing the whales, aren't you? You're very perceptive. How will it be done, exactly? They'll be flown in uh, in a special uh, 747 to Alaska and released there. Flown? And that's the last you'll see of them? See, yes, but we'll tag them with radio transmitters on a special frequency so that we can keep tabs on them. You know, uh, I could take those whales somewhere where they'd never be hunted. You can't even get yourself from Sausalito to San Francisco without a lift. If you have such low opinion of my abilities, how come you're here having dinner with me? Sucker for hard luck cases. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Besides, I, I, I want to know you travel around with that ditzy guy who knows that Gracie's pregnant and calls you Admiral. Where, where could you take them? Huh? My whales. Where could you take them that they'd be safe? Well, it, it's not so much a matter of place as uh, time. Well, the time would have to be right now. Why right now? Let's just say that no humpback born in captivity has ever survived. The problem is that they won't be that much safer at sea because of all the hunting at this time of year. So you see that, as they say, you see that, as they say, is that. Damn. What is that? What is what? 
You have a pocket pager. Are you a doctor? Uh, 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 what is it? I thought I told you never to call me here. Sorry. <laughs> Admiral, uh, we just thought you'd like to know. We're beaming them in now. All right, tell them phasers on stun. Good luck. Kirk out. You want to try it from the top? <laughs> Why don't you tell me when those whales are leaving? Who are you? Who do you think I am? Don't tell me you're from outer space. <laughs> no, I'm from Iowa. I only work in outer space. Well, I was close. I mean, I knew outer space was going to come into this sooner or later. The truth? I'm all ears. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the truth. I am from what on your calendar would be the late 23rd century. I've come back in time to bring two humpback whales with me in an attempt to repopulate the species. Well, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> I mean, why all the coy disguises? Want the details? Oh, I wouldn't miss this for all the tea in China. When are those whales being released? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what the hell? Your friend was right. Gracie's not only pregnant, she's very pregnant. And at noon tomorrow, in what is sure to be a media circus, the whales get shipped out. Noon tomorrow? Are, are we leaving? Come on. Uh, we, we don't have much time. Well, could we have that to go, please? Sure. Uh, who gets the bad news? Oh, don't, don't tell me. They don't use money in the 23rd century? No, well, we don't. <laughs> the smoking lamp is out while transferring fuel. How long? Depends on how much shielding there is between us and the reactor. Well, Admiral, that was the briefest dinner I've ever had in my life, and certainly the biggest cockamamie fish story I've ever heard. You asked. Uh, you tell me something. George and Gracie's transmitter, what's the radio frequency? Sorry, that's classified. Look, I, I, don't, I don't have a clue who you are, really, and ah, you wouldn't want to show me around your spaceship, would you? That wouldn't be my first choice, no. Well, there we are. Let me tell you something. I'm here to bring two humpback into the 23rd century. If I have to, I'll go to the open sea to get them. I'd much rather have yours. It's better for me. It's better for you. It's better for them. Think about it. Who are you? Think about it. But don't take too long. I'm out of time. If you change your mind, this is where I'll be. Here? In the park? Right. Status. The tank will be finished by morning. That's cutting it closer than you know. What, what, what about Team 2? No word since beam in. We can only wait for them to call. Damn, damn it. We've been so lucky. The two perfect whales in our hands. If we don't move quickly, we'll lose them. In that event, the probabilities are that our mission would fail. Our mission? Spock, you're talking about the end of every life on Earth. You're half-human. Haven't you got any feeling about that? There it is again. That's too weird, Commander. Thought you gents were running a test program. Yes, sir, but we are apparently getting a power drain. And 
It must be coming from inside the ship. Commander, duty officer, Commander Rogerson. Yes, Chief, we're tracking that too. What do you make of it? Scotty, we're ready for BMOT. Scotty, can you hear me? Confirmed, roger that. Mardak commanding officer, this is command duty officer, Commander Rogerson. We have an intruder in number four, MMR. I say we have an intruder in number four, MMR. Scotty, do you read? Scotty, come in, please. Lass, I can hardly hear you. My transporter power is down to minimum. I've got to bring you in one at a time. Take the con- collector. You go first. Stand by. <laughs> Scotty? Hello? Come in, please. Scotty? How soon? Chekhov, you're breaking up. Please signal again. Chekhov, can you hear me? Now would be a good time. Freeze! Chekhov! I've lost him. Commander Pavel Chekhov, Starfleet, United Federation of Planets. All right, Commander. Is there anything you want to tell us? Like what? Like who you really are, and what you're doing, and what these, these things here are. I am Pavel Chekhov, a commander in Starfleet, United Federation of Planets, service number 656-5827B. All right, let's take it from the top. The top of what? Name. My name? No, my name. I do not know your name. (laughs) You play games with me, mister, and you're through. I am? May I go now? (laughs) What do you think? He's a Rusky. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Of course he's a Rusky, but he's a retard or something. (sighs) We better call Washington. Don't move. Okay. Make nice. Give us the ray gun. I warn you, if you don't lie on the floor, I will have to stun you. Go ahead. Stun me. I'm very sorry, but... (sighs) Must be the radiation. Security breach. Security breach. Security breach. Security breach. There is a security breach. General quarters. Gangway. Security breach. Hit the deck. Security breach. Hit the deck. Ah! Man down. Let's get a corpsman over here. Any luck? Nothing, Admiral. I should never have left him. You did what was necessary. Keep trying to find him. Scotty, you promised me an estimate on the dilithium crystals. That's going slowly, sir. It'll be well into tomorrow. That's not good enough, Mr. Scott. You've got to do better. I'll try, sir. Scott out. Oh, he's in a wee bit of a snit, isn't he? He's a man of deep feelings. Aye, what else is new? They left last night. We didn't want a mob scene with the press. It wouldn't have been good for them. Besides, we thought it would be easier on you this way. You sent them without even letting me say goodbye to them? Jillian! You son of a bitch! Admiral! Admiral Kirk! Admiral! Admiral Kirk! Admiral! Admiral! Admiral, can you hear me? They're gone! I need your help! Are you in there? Admiral, we have a problem. There's someone outside. Can you hear me, Admiral? Admiral Kirk, can you hear me? Admiral Kirk, oh my God! Ah! 
Hello, Alice. Welcome to Wonderland. Oh, it's true. It's true. Yeah, what you said. Yes, it is. I'm glad you're here, but I must say you picked a hell of a time to drop in. Oh, take it easy. Oh, have I flipped out? You, we need your help. No, you haven't. Is any of this real? Yes, it's real. Take a look. Storage tanks for your whales? We'll bring them up the same way we brought you. Admiral, they're gone. Gone? They were taken last night. I wasn't told. They're in Alaska by now. Damn. But they're tagged, like I told you. I, I mean, we can go find them, right? I can't go anywhere. Well, what kind of spaceship is this? It's a spaceship with a missing man. Admiral, full power has been restored. Thank you, Mr. Spock. Hello, Doctor. Welcome aboard. Admiral, are you there? Yes, Uhura. What's wrong? I've located Chakov, sir. They're taking him to emergency surgery right now. Where? Mercy Hospital. Mercy Hospital? That's in the Mission District. They report his condition is critical. He's not expected to survive. Jim, you've got to let me go in there. Don't leave him in the hands of 20th century medicine. Admiral, may I suggest that Dr. McCoy is correct? We must help Chekhov. Is that the logical thing to do, Spock? No, but it is the human thing to do. <laughs> Right. Will you help us? How? Well, we're going to have to look like physicians. Well, we'll try down here. You check there. Uh, What's the matter with you? Kidney dialysis. Dialysis, God. <laughs> what is this? The dark ages here. You swallow that, and if you have any problems, just call me. Here. I got it. Let's go. He's being held in the security corridor one flight up. His condition is critical. Uh, excuse me. We'll take that. Hold the door. The, d the door. Emergency. You were there. What happened? Yeah, I was there. I heard the whole thing. We sure upset. Radio radical chemotherapy, and she's going to croak, just like that. <laughs> well, what about Gottlieb? Well, what you'd expect. All he talked about was image. Unbelievable. I thought they were going to punch each other out. Unbelievable. You have a different view, doctor? Sounds like that goddamn Spanish Inquisition. Bad day. Out of the way. Sorry, doctor. We have strict orders not to do that. Uh, damn it. Do you want an acute case on your hands? This woman has immediate postprandial upper abdominal distension. Uh, out of the way. Get out of the way. What did you say she's got? Cramps. <laughs> are you? Why aren't you masked? Who are these people? What the hell is that? What are you doing? Tearing of the middle meningeal artery. What is your degree in? Dentistry? How do you explain a slowing pulse, low respiratory rate, and coma? Fundoscopic examination. Fundoscopic examination is unrevealing in these cases. A simple evacuation of the expanding epidural hematoma will relieve the pressure. God, man, drilling holes in the heads is not the answer. The artery must be repaired. Now put away your butcher knives and let me save this patient before it's too late. I'm going to have you removed. Doctors, doctors, such unprofessional behavior. Into that little room, please. <gasps> what is that, a gun? You, nurses, you're crazy. Please. Uh, he melted the lock. Dealing with medievalism here. 
chemotherapy. Fundoscopic examination. Chekhov, wake up. Pavel, can you hear me? Chekhov, Chekhov. He's coming around, Jim. Pavel, talk to me. Name, rank. Chekhov, Pavel, rank, admiral. The, patient, doctor. Oh, he's gonna make it. He, you came in with a sheet. One little mistake. <laughs> Let us out of here. They've taken the patient. Get some help. Look out. Hold it. Not now, Pavel. Hold it. Look out. The doctor gave me a pill and I grew a new kidney. The doctor gave me a pill and I grew a new kidney. Look out, please. What the hell is going on? Where would the whales be by now? At sea, and if you have a chart on board, I'll show you. No, 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 all I need is the radio frequency to track them. What are you, what are you talking about? I'm coming with you. You can't, our next stop is the 23rd century. Well, I don't care, I, I've got nobody here. I've gotta help those whales. I have not got time to argue with you. I wanna tell you how much you've meant to us. The radio frequency, please. The frequency is four, zero, one megahertz. Thank you for everything. Scotty, beam me up. Surprise. Spock. Where the hell's the power you promised me? One damn minute, Admiral. <laughs> I'm ready, Spock. Let's go find George and Gracie. Sulu. I'm trying to remember how this thing worked. I got used to a Huey. You, you tricked me. You need me. Ready, sir. Take a seat. Now, Mr. Sulu. What the hell is that? Cloaking device is stable. All systems normal. Stabilize energy reserve. Report helm. Maintaining impulse climb. Wing five by zero, helm steady. Advice, reaching 10,000. Steer three, one, zero. Three, one, zero, aye. Uhura, scan for the whales. 401 megahertz. Scanning, sir. 10,000 MSL, Admiral. Wing. Cruise configuration. Full impulse power. Aye, sir. Three, one, zero to the bearing seat. ETA, 12 minutes. Scotty, are the whale tanks secure? Aye, sir, but I've never beamed up 400 tons before. 400 tons? Well, it's not just the whales. It's the water. Yes, of course. The whales, any contact? Negative, sir. You present the appearance of a man with a problem. Your perception is correct, Doctor. In order to return us to the exact moment we left the 23rd century, I've used our journey back through time as a reference, calculating the coefficient of elapsed time in relation to the acceleration curve. Naturally. <laughs> so, what's your problem? Acceleration is no longer a constant. Hmm. Well then, you're just gonna have to take your best shot. Best shot? Guess, Spock. Your best guess. Guessing is not in my nature, Doctor. Well, nobody's perfect. That's it! That's it! Affirmative. Contact with the whales. Bearing. Bearing, three, two, seven. Range, <laughs> 600 nautical. Put them on screen. How can you do that? On screen. Admiral, I have a signal closing in on the whales. Bearing, three, two, eight degrees. Let's see it. What kind of ship is that? It's a whaling ship, Doctor. Are we too late? Whoa! Hmm. 
full-powered dissent, Mr. Sulu. Aye, sir, full-powered dissent. Ten seconds, sir. All right, Scotty. It's up to you. Ten seconds, Admiral. Five, four, three, two, one. Admiral, there be whales here! Well done, Mr. Scott. How soon can we be ready for warp speed? Full power now, sir. If you will. Mr. Sulu. Aye, sir. Warp speed. Mr. Sulu, you have the con. I'm going to take our guest down and have a look at her whales. Oh, Mr. Spock, have you accounted for the variable mass of whales and water in your time re-entry program? Mr. Scott cannot give me exact figures, Admiral, so... I will make a guess. A guess? You, Spock. That's extraordinary. I don't think he understands. No, Spock. He means he feels safer about your guesses than most other people's facts. Well, then you're saying it is a compliment. It is. Ah, then I will try to make the best guess I can. (laughs) They say the sea is cold, but the sea contains the hottest blood of all. Whales weep not, D.H. Lawrence. You know, it's ironic. When man was killing these creatures, he was destroying his own future. The beasties seem happy to see you, Doctor. I hope you like our little aquarium. It's a miracle, Mr. Scott. A miracle? That's yet to come. What does that mean? It means that our chances of getting home are not too good. You might have lived a longer life if you'd stayed where you belonged. I belong here. I'm a whale biologist. Suppose by some miracle you get them through. Who in the 23rd century knows anything about humpback whales? Good point. What's that? Admiral, I think you better get up here. Uh, We're having a power fall off. You stay with them. On my way. Hold on tight, lassie. It gets bumpy from here. Warp 7.5. 7.9. Shielded maximum. Mr. Sulu, that's all I can give you. Can we make breakaway speed? Hardly. Uh, Hardly, Admiral. I cannot even guarantee we will escape the sun's gravity. I shall attempt to compensate by by altering our trajectory. Warp 8. 8.1. Maximum speed. Admiral, I need thruster control. Acceleration thrusters at Spock's command. Steady. Now. Did braking thrusters fire? They did, Admiral. Then where the hell are we? The probe. Condition report, Spock. No data, Admiral. Computers are non-functional. The mains are down, sir. Ox power is not responding. Switch to manual controls, Mr. Sulu. I have no control, sir. My God, Jim, where are we? Out of control and blind as a bat. Get him back. Get him back. (sighs) They're headed for the bridge. Ground cushion. Keep the nose up if you can. We're in the water. Blow the hatch. You got us to the right place, Spock. Now all we have to do is get the whales out of here before we sink. Abandon ship! Scotty, did you hear me? Scotty! Damn it. Move! Move! See to the safety of all hands. I will. Lassie! Get my hand! I got it! I got it! You got it! Yeah! Scotty! Admiral! Help! I'm here. You're gonna be all right. The whales are trapped. They'll drown. There's no power to the bay doors. Explosive override. It's underwater. There's no way to reach it. You go on ahead and close the hatch. Admiral, you'll be trapped. Go on. 
Do you see them? Ah! There. Why don't they answer? When do they sing? We have power. Council is now in session. If you'll all take your seats. Bring in the accused. Captain Spock, you do, you do not... Pardon me. Captain Spock, you do not stand accused. Mr. President, I stand with my shipmates. As you wish. The charges and specifications are conspiracy, assault on Federation officers, theft of Federation property, namely the Starship Enterprise, sabotage of the USS Excelsior, willful destruction of Federation property, specifically the aforementioned, the USS Enterprise, and finally disobeying direct orders of Starfleet Commander. Admiral Kirk, how do you plead? On behalf of all of us, Mr. President, I am authorized to plead guilty. So entered. Because of certain mitigating circumstances, all charges but one are summarily dismissed. The remaining charge, disobeying orders of a superior officer, is directed solely at Admiral Kirk. I'm sure the Admiral will recognize the necessity of keeping discipline in chain of command. I do, sir. James T. Kirk, it is the judgment of this council that you be reduced in rank to captain, and that as consequence of your new rank, that you will be given duties for which you have repeatedly demonstrated unswerving ability. Silence. Captain Kirk, you and your crew have saved this planet from its own short-sightedness, and we are forever in your debt. Oh, I'm so... Thank you. Thank you. I am so happy for you. I can't tell you. Thank you so much. Wait a minute. Where are you going? You're going to your ship, and I'm going to mine. Science vessel. I've got 300 years of catching up learning to do. You mean this is goodbye? Why does it have to be goodbye? Well, like they say in your century, I don't even have your telephone number. (laughs) How will I find you? Don't worry. I'll find you. I'll see you around the galaxy. Father. I'm returning to Vulcan within the hour. I would like to take my leave of you. It it was most kind of you to make this effort. It was no effort. You are my son. Besides, I am most impressed with your performance in this crisis. Most kind. As I recall, I opposed your enlistment in Starfleet. It is possible that judgment was incorrect. Your associates are people of good character. They are my friends. Yes, of course. Do you have a message for your mother? Yes, tell her I feel fine. (laughs) Live long and prosper, Father. Live long and prosper, my son. The bureaucratic mentality is the only constant in the universe. We'll get a freighter. 
Ah, with all res- with all due respect, Doctor, I'm counting on Excelsior. Excelsior? Why in God's name would you want that bucket of bolts? A ship is a ship. Whatever you say, sir. I will be done. My friends, we've come home. All right, Mr. Sulu. Let's see what she's got. There you go. So there it was. Star Trek for <laughs> The Voyage Home, produced by myself and Christine Cheeks, directed by myself and with a cast of some wonderful, wonderful actors. And uh, I'm, I'm just so glad to, to share it with the world. Because, and 3,000 oh, whales. And 3,000 whales. It really was one of the more fun times I had at a Trek convention. Just the, the appreciation. People just had so much fun that night. And I felt like I'd done something that had never been done at a Trek convention. You know, part of the inspiration was a lot of these other people were, you know, you were seeing like at the Ace, Jason Reitman was doing like Pulp Fiction and Empire Strikes Back and, sure. you know, stage readings of Princess Bride. And I'm like, why not do that with Star Trek? I mean, something you and I want to do for ages with uh, Academy years and some of the unproduced yeah. scripts. Um, so, I mean, I remember that we wanted to do it one year at Comic-Con. It was something. I don't remember what it was. Um, one of the unproduced scripts for something. Right. But. This was this was a real this was really fun and hopefully it comes through when you listen to it uh, and I hope people enjoyed it and that's part of the fun of doing this this podcast is to sort of you know sort of bring the the footnotes and the unsung corners of Star Trek lore and to share uh, the joy. true fans share the joy celebrate the love <laughs> wrong franchise um, but yeah for sure so uh, anyway uh, that was fun and next time we'll be back with a re- another regular episode of Inglorious experts not a supersized episode but um, <laughs> we'll be back with one of our, our regular shows and uh until then uh on behalf of darren and myself i want to thank you for joining us i want to thank our uh, sound engineer the great bill ritter for making us sound so good during zoom uh, on zoom during our quarantine our endless quarantine and uh, of course our producer nally Miscali, our production coordinator um uh, peter holstrom and zach raggetts and uh, I want to encourage you to download the Electric Now app where you can watch episodes of uh, Inglorious Trexperts for free on the free Electric Now app. And of course, you can follow us on social at Inglorious Trek on Twitter and Inglorious Trexperts on Instagram. Or you can go to Facebook and follow us there. So a lot of ways to keep in touch. Uh, you can also uh, hopefully uh, vote five stars on I- Apple Podcasts to let us know that you're enjoying the show. And if you're not, keep it to yourself. Right, Darren? <laughs> We're not telling anyone how to vote, just how not to vote. <laughs> how do you vote? <laughs> Sarah Vulcan. So uh, without any further ado, I want to uh, say we'll see you next Friday, 10 o'clock, Friday night, for an all-new episode of Inglorious Trexperts. But until then, keep on trekking, Ingloriously, of course. Engage.
This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.